go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He, he makes it. it! He hit it! He, he, it. it. he hit it just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. He finds oh. Oh. oh! 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 Send it in, Jerome! Oh. <laughs> College basketball! This is March Madness! And this is Mad About Hoops. Welcome to the still new, although we are just loving our time doing this. I'm Timmy Hall alongside Evil Bald Colin. Mad About Hoops, episode six, week six of the college basketball season. CB, we are just rocking and rolling at this stage. Six weeks in, and I cannot tell you a definitive who is the best team in the country. Ohio State, the Buckeyes. I actually think it's Kansas right now, but don't shoot me for that. <laughs> no, it's honestly, this well, is just such a weird year. Kansas Kansas might in the long run. I, I can see how you would view the Jayhawks because of the bodies and just the dudes. The sheer dude power that they have, right? Look, they played Duke on the first night of the college basketball season. Remember they had like 30 just turnovers? Sloppy. Just a sloppy game. It was so sloppy. So sloppy. And hey, Ohio State, they didn't play as good of an opponent, but they walked right into a really difficult game against Cincinnati, and they were a lot less sloppy. You give them credit for that. They were a lot less sloppy. I can see how you would think that if I'm a pollster, though, I like to go a lot off of who has deserved and who has earned it, and you cannot make a better case for anyone in the country for me right now than the Ohio State Buckeyes I mean, you're getting that, number one. You're getting that vibe from everybody. I know Gary Parrish that works over at CBS Sports has already put him as his number one team going into the next cycle. So, I mean, you're not alone, and I, I believe they're number two currently. But, I mean, there's not really a whole lot of separation between Kansas and Ohio State, if you're asking me straight up. Yeah, and what's what are the – do you know what the Jayhawks have coming up this week? Because they just had they just had Milwaukee at home, which was close to a 30-point beatdown for them. I don't know if they're going into any kind of difficult matchup before we look at our weekend scoreboard a little, little later on here in the podcast. But Ohio State's got a Sunday night matchup we know – on the road at Minnesota. Minnesota, not a great start to the season. Richard Pitino lost a lot. Didn't have a mere coffee on this team anymore. So that should be. I mean, Ohio State's going to be favored to win that game by, I would say, 8 to 10 points. I think that's fair. And, yeah, Kansas is playing University of Missouri, Kansas City. So UMKC, the ruse. It's a pretty. Do you, does it say where they're playing that game? Uh, not definitively on the app right God, now. God, I can remember the great Kemper Arena in Kansas City. Out by the stockyards. That was a place. It looked like it was being like held up from the outside. It was just a trashy arena. But you had some good memories there watching the Jayhawks play. That was their spot to play in Kansas City before they built the beautiful Sprint Center. We're actually going to get into that That's later funny you on when we that. talk That's about ironic. NCAA tournament sites. When I was in school, I painted my body. I was a body painter. One time only. I can see it. Painted the body. Four <laughs> of us went there, and we were we were repping the Jayhawks. If you didn't know, yes, I went to school at the University of Kansas, and we actually made the front page of the Lawrence Journal World. So you also spent yeah. time at Weber State, correct? I did. So are yep. you like a big like Dame Lillard fan? Of course. Of course. I had to imagine. The the guy before Dame Lillard was do you do you know the dude? If you go back to their the famous first round upset against North Carolina. Not off the top of my Harold head. Harold the show Arsenault. You remember that name now? I haven't Arsenault, heard that name in a while. Like a, with like a C E A U X last name. Almost like a Go Tigers type of type of thing. 
Yeah, they were they were good. They had another dude named Gill on that team. I actually wound up seeing him, and he started in an NBA game. Not Harold Arsenal, who was the premier player on that Weber State team that knocked off North Carolina in the tournament. It was I think his name was Eddie Gill. And he started in an NBA game. I don't remember what team I was watching, but it was one of those deals where I was with my dad. We went to a, I lived in Utah for a couple of years and we saw a jazz game just one random night. I looked at the starting lineup. I'm like, there's the dude that played at Weber State. It was maybe like his like sixth NBA start in his career. Interesting. And he didn't have but more than a cup of coffee. But yeah, Weber State, Kansas. So you know, I got around. I got around. <laughs> like a lot of like a lot of teams out there. Pay attention to a lot of teams out there. Sure. I, I I've just been looking at the forward weekend schedule right now. I mean, it's not really that attractive outside of a couple matchups. I mean, we're gonna have a big one between Michigan and Oregon. That's a noon Saturday game. I think that's in Chrysler. Tell them what's weird about that. Tell them what's strange about that matchup. Where were both of those teams? Oh, they were down at Battle for Atlantis, right? Both of those teams were at the Battle for Atlantis. That's right. Sometimes things just slip through the cracks, right? You're trying they, to... they could have played each other twice of then, course. right? Yeah. yeah, and you just you just do it. You got to do it. You can't just cancel the game. You can't just cancel the non-conference game. Your tickets have been sold. Your fans are expecting it. Just go out and do it. There, there would be worse things in the world than having that happen. Oh, I mean, these are these are two pretty good teams, so I'd be fine seeing them play twice. It'd be still, it would be quality RPI, right, or net Nets, rankings, Nets. net net rankings stuff going on right there. It would be unfair to Oregon, right? That where's the third game? Let's go play. Let's go play at uh, MacArthur Court, the old place, and our uh, that's like their St. John Arena, right? They'll play in the West God. Regional. Just wait for it. <laughs> right, they will. They will make sure that that happens in at least the Sweet 16 when you get to, to tournament time, as funny as those committee guys are. I also know this is probably one that's on your list. You might not have heard about going on this weekend, but you have the Beehive Classic between BYU and Utah State. That could be a little interesting. BYU and Utah State is a good one. I do like how those Utah schools play each other, sort of like they do in Ohio. Nobody nice. talks about it because it's Utah, but I do remember being out there, you know, at a, a student at Weber State, and BYU would come to your place. Utah would come to your place. Utah State would come to your place. You would sort of move that. I don't know if they're still doing that where guys are playing on the road at Weber State as much as they used to. I vividly remember BYU coming in there. I'm not sure when I went to school there because I was only there for a year or two. I remember going to Salt Lake City to see Weber State play the Utes, but that was very cool how everybody played. Now Utah State's quite good with Sam Merrill. Yeah, it's a very good team. And then the last game you got to obviously mention, it's an in-state battle between Memphis and Tennessee also. Oh, yeah. It's going to be really good. And looking at that game, what do you think about Tennessee this year? Top 20 team right now, 7-1. and one. I don't know what to think of them. Just basically the SEC as a, as a whole, I don't know what to expect. It's, the SEC always is kind of weird. It's like you have a team that comes out in the regular season and just dominates, and then there's always a team that dominates the tournament that's not the champion of the regular season. We had it last year with uh, Kentucky was quite honestly the best team in the conference. And then Auburn goes in the tournament and just runs all over everybody. And then they went in NCAA tournament and did it against everybody else. They just had such – Tennessee was so good last year. And they lost so many, so much of their core. They lost some of their best players, but they still have got Lamonte Turner. They've got like their four guys at the top. Jordan Bowden, Turner, uh, Fulkerson is the one of the other guys. 
Fullerson, excuse me. I mean, they've, they've got four guys that are scoring in double figures right now, but I, do, I don't know long-term. I think Tennessee's a team that's going to get better and better as the season goes on, and they will be a, they'll be a player in the SEC. It looks You talk about conferences being wide open. Mm-hmm. Kentucky, you would like to put your smart money on that Calipari's going to get those guys playing their best ball you know, late in the season or when conference play comes around. But I, I look at Tennessee. I look, uh, I still look at LSU. Georgia is a team to look out for. Auburn's still undefeated. Auburn is still is the one and only undefeated team right now. But I'm, I'm sure that that's not going to stay that I way. I don't think so. Positive that Auburn's going to take a lot of losses this I'm year. I'm just really disappointed in this game. We're not going to see Wiseman. Yeah. What, where are we on the Wiseman uh, counter? So they're 8-1. I think he played the first two or three games. He did. So I think maybe, he played three. So he's probably halfway through that suspension by now. Who's paying that money back? Well, supposedly it's supposed to come from him. But <laughs> right, supposedly, yeah. air quotes. I don't right. know. I, we mentioned this way back when we talked about the topic. I just don't know how you can expect a player to pay that money back. And I don't know the stipulations of it, but doing it right now, maybe when he makes it to the league and, you know, he pays back later on. He's sure. going to have it. Yeah, he's going to have it but at a to, certain point in time. But to expect him to do it now is ridiculous. Why don't they just make a little handshake agreement that when he gets his gigantic NBA contract, which he will get if he doesn't get that, God forbid, he's got an insurance policy for someone sure. protecting against his future earnings because everyone that you would talk to, any expert, any draft site would say, oh, yeah. First overall pick, maybe, maybe there's, by some miracle, he's outside the top three. But guess what? He's top five guaranteed. But guess what? That's a lottery pick, and there's a certain amount of millions that come automatically with being a lottery pick. And I love how the NCAA, since you mentioned that, is saying Wiseman pays that back when they, in their own investigation, said that it went to his guardian, his mom. Yeah, he never touched the money. Right? Like what? Well, then why am I paying it back if it went to my mom for moving expenses or whatever? I don't even care, and it's gone now. Like you guys are just so—it's just—it's the same—it's the same debate regarding doing? why would they not punish Penny? Because they'd rather punish the 18-year-old, 17-year-old versus the adult. That's the amazing thing, right? Like that's just amazing. Yeah. Like I, Penny is out there. He is the AAU coach. I mean. He is all around. Like, if there's anyone that you would point the finger at in this one, the AAU coach who becomes the high school basketball coach who becomes the Memphis basketball coach, right? You just connect connect the dots. If you, if you want to talk about, like, people being naive right here, I mean, yeah, you could maybe say it's you're naive to think that the mom, you know, just got all that money and they don't have it anymore. They can't pay it back. Actually, actually, no. I think there's reason to believe that right now, under the current situations, and I really don't know anything about James Wiseman, his family situation, if there's a lot of money right there, if he's rolling around in some kind of nice car, that stuff is easily, you can find out that stuff very easy. You know, people have eyes and ears and smartphones. You would get that. But to not look at Penny at all in this. Like, what, what the heck, man? Make the student, you call them student athletes, right? These student athletes aren't supposed to be getting anything. But yet you guys assume that he's got the money or the money went to him to get him to Memphis. So you're going to make him pay it back. But yet you're also not going to look at Penny Hardaway at all. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, they're obviously paying the parent for the parent to help remove the family. And even if the player knows about it, what can he do? Tell his mom not to take it. 
Like he, he can't control that. It's not in his control. I I just think we're punishing him unfairly. Uh, I don't even want to talk about it. It makes me so angry. Timmy Hall and Evil Bald Colin. It's Mad About Hoops. You can subscribe to the podcast everywhere you can basically listen to podcasts, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and all the others. Spotify, please give us a rating, give us a review, subscribe to us. Lots of college basketball action coming your way. We got we got a bunch of requests out right now. We know we're a new podcast, and we're trying to swing big with this thing. So we had a guy here at the station. We're in Columbus, Ohio, and Common Man and T-Bone is our popular afternoon show. And I was talking to, to, to the Bone Man just before we did this podcast here as we're recording on December 12th for our Week 6 edition. He said, hey, why don't you get a guy like Mark Few? And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Done. Mark Few. So I contact the Gonzaga SID, and we'll see what happens. What's the worst he can say? No? no. Going to say no to Mad About Hoops? Okay. We'll try again next time. We'll get him on. You also have a couple others in the mix that I'm really excited. The possibility of talking to. You know, we we got a lot of perspective guests that are really big headlines, or part of big headlines in this season already, which is actually pretty impressive for where we are right now. Um I know we want guys like Rostein, maybe a couple of friends of mine that I know are bracketologists. We want to come on and talk about, you know, once we get to that part of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think we have the ability to talk to a lot of really great people in the sport, and it could really help, you know, get a different perspective for people out there of what other people around the country are thinking about the sport. Yeah, just one that's close by that's also in the Big Ten, Matt Painter, Purdue Purdue head basketball coach, guy that we've admired with how he's built the program there and followed up the Gene Cady Act. And I I, th- I do think I think Painter is one of the best basketball coaches in America that doesn't ever get that full credit or appear very high on those on those rankings because Purdue's have they they can't get to the final four for whatever reason. That's the one big roadblock. I don't think they've been there since eighty. Since 1980. Sounds about right. Just the way that he effectively recruits. He doesn't get always the biggest star guys, but the way he can recruit for the style he wants to play and the big men he can get. Quality seven-footers. It's You don't see that as, as often this day and age in college basketball. The, the fact that he can get a guy like Isaac Haas and then back him up with Matt Harms, you can't ask for much more than that. Yeah, yeah, they have a good team. I'm still pretty high on the Purdue Boilermakers this year. And the other guy we might get on on the next podcast, Trey Landers. He is a senior for the Dayton Flyers, the Flyers. In the most recent polls, they moved up from 19 to 14. We had one of those games circled last weekend. It was St. Mary's and Dayton, and the Flyers got it done again. Another key quality win for UD and Anthony Grant's squad as they move up. And Landers is interesting because he's been there. He's got a great journey. He he actually was hanging out that night when the shootings happened that I know everyone listening wow. heard about that in the news, the shootings that happened you know, near the bar district in Dayton, Ohio. He was in the area that night. But not just that, his, his brother, his brother B.B. Landers of is a key defensive lineman for the Ohio State Buckeye football team that's going to be playing for a national championship. And he's a teammate of Obi Toppin, who has just turned out to be one of the greatest players in the country here. And uh, they have one of the greatest home court environments in college hoops that nobody knows about. So the one thing I want to ask, the one thing I want to ask him, though, is when he comes on is like, you know, we see teams go to these preseason holiday tournaments and whatnot. And you just saw it with Michigan. They went down there and just dominated, went on a run. But they come back to the normal schedule, and it, like they're a different team. You know, 
we talk about the holiday tournament bump that teams get because they perform really well there and then come back and kind of regress. This team's not skipping a beat. They just went out west and just completely manhandled St. Mary's. We're going to have more in just a second. You guys are listening to Mad About Hoops. Well, Tim, I know we're always excited to talk about anything regarding March Madness in the tournament, but I don't think Cincinnati's very excited with the recent news that we're, we're going to talk about right now. Ooh. So, I hate it for their fans, man. It's rough. So Crosstown shootout. That was awesome. Cincy and Xavier. Fantastic. It's one of the best games in the sport. Congrats really to is. the Musketeers. Got two great programs in the city. That makes you a basketball town, a college basketball town. But to lose a site for the NCAA tournament, whether regardless if you're hosting the first and second rounds or the actual regional itself, it's it's pretty tough on the city. Yeah, there was some confusion in that and which round they were losing. I'm looking at an article by Steve Watkins, staff reporter for the Cincinnati Business Courier. I thought I was hearing this this week. And uh, my co-host on the Buckeye show, Brandon Beam, who's a Dayton guy, he he told me about this first. I think he saw it on Twitter from somebody. And even in the article, it's saying that they have lost, since he's lost the right to host its first NCAA men's basketball tournament in 30 years, to think that they haven't had any kind of action in that town in 30 years for a city that size, a city that has two professional sports franchises. There are not a whole lot of cities in America that can say they have two professional sports teams right smack next to each other with the Bengals and the Reds. And all those stadiums are right there on the riverfront. But it was saying here that they were losing the men's regional tournament. But I guess it could be just part of a region is what they were saying. Because I looked at the official NCAA.org and it hadn't been updated yet. Because the story is, since he loses it, U.S. Bank Arena loses it, which is 100% privately owned, by the way, U.S. Bank Arena. And it's going to the Pacers Arena in Indianapolis. So since he loses it and more college basketball, more tournament action for Indy that gets the final four, like every four or five years, that's what happens with them. In terms of the arena, it's better for the sport to be at Banker's Life. But in terms of just the environment and what since he's missing out on, it's truly a shame. It, it really, Especially with a city that has to watch cities like Lexington, Kentucky and Louisville, Kentucky host tournaments it seems like all every the time. other year all the time it's, and columbus ohio does yeah and, and cleveland. cleveland's gonna cleveland will have them this year right cleveland i yes. think is up is gonna have first and second round action this year yep yeah and dayton gets it every year has their niche thing their thing with the first four it's not fair for the fans there you're right it's not fair and i get the logistics behind it for the ncaa but at the same time it's like i know there's such a passion passion for basketball down there and we, we see it all the time like you said with the crosstown shootout and how passionate those fans are about the sport. And, I mean, you can go into the more depths of talking about, like, the revenue for the city and whatnot, and that's that's big for them. But at the same time, it's just losing the ability to put on great games. And we saw great games here in Columbus last year. The fact that those, those fans in that city cannot see those type of games from neutral teams in their arena, it just sucks. I, you know... I'm looking at how Spokane, Washington is also getting games again. And if it's, I actually went, I saw one of the, uh, one of the Weber state games, Weber state played Wisconsin way back when, when they had Jermaine Boyette was one of the Wildcats, big players. They uh, were in Spokane arena. It certainly isn't the Gonzaga. It's the, it's not the Zags home court. No, it's too small, but Spokane arena was kind of small too. Maybe 12,000. And that, 
I've never been to U.S. Bank Arena, but the place always had the appearance of a dump, and it never had a really strong reputation for being a great spot to go and catch any event. Spokane Arena can't be all that great. I'm looking at it now. It doesn't have any uh, any listings on its page about renovations, and the place opened in 1995. It's 25 years old. When did you I, see this, or when did you go out there for that? That was... So it would have been relatively new if it's if it's telling me that it was that it opened in 1995. That would have been like 2002 ish. So less than 10 years old. I didn't have anything bad to say about Spokane Arena. I just it didn't. It certainly didn't feel like one of the premier arenas in the country. And yeah. I guess U.S. Bank Arena being 44 years old, that's pretty old. The thing that happened here, though is since he didn't get it done or the arena didn't get it done, there apparently was some kind of deal where they needed to show a certain amount of progress on renovations and the NCAA didn't think that they were going to have any chance to, to get it done. And they have until 2022. That's the thing. They're already saying no to Cincy for action in 2022. That's how little faith they had in them to get this thing done. And they've known since 2017. So the fact that this is happening, that we couldn't make it work from 2017 to 2022 to get a public or private arena, whatever, ready to have some cool stuff like this? Come on. Come on. I I don't know the state of the arena itself. I've never been there. but It must be bad. It's got to be bad. It must be bad. The NCAA loves Indianapolis. I mean, they love the host at Lucas Oil Stadium any chance they can get. They love Banker's Life Arena. The Big Ten specifically does. I think it made their decision very easy to make the jump because of just how much they love that type of city and how it presents itself for a gathering like that. I, I think it just kind of tipped their hand. You know what, though? It's still one of my favorite things to go and do as a fan. Like, I feel sorry for Cincinnati that they don't get this. There is not anything I enjoy more as a sports fan, not just college basketball. And that's my favorite sport. But I I talk to a lot of guys and gals who college basketball isn't number one for, but they love to make trips around March Madness. And really, you talk to most anybody, it's the first and second round that wins. And oh, I love absolutely. that. I love that more than anything because you get a Thursday, you take a nice long weekend, take a couple days off work, whether it's Thursday, Saturday, or Friday, Sunday. Who cares? And you just get the whole pass, right? You just get the tickets that first day when you just go in with your your son, your daughter, your best friend, whoever, and you just watch 13 hours or whatever it is of basketball until your eyes bleed. There's no greater thing in the world. There it's isn't. A, yeah, I I went. It was several years back. Back when Michigan State was a one seed hosting here in Columbus, and you know you stay for the all day event, but what's even funnier is it's kind of got this feel of like you know you got this action going on in front of you, but you always have updates of what's going on around the country and the other regions and the other sides of the bracket. That season was actually the the session I was at was actually during the game where OU beat Michigan, and they yeah. they went and had that Great. big win. And Great. I mean, there was times I I think Michigan State was blowing out like LIU Brooklyn. And they went in, everybody went into the under underneath areas and found a TV and they just watched the end of that game. But it's just really cool. It's like a gathering of it's people awesome. watching just games after games after games. It feels like when you would go to your local coliseum 
wherever your high school games were being held at during their tournaments. And it was just an all-day event. You just sat there and watched game after game after game. It's kind of got that same feel of it, for me at least. Yeah, there's nothing better than it. And we'll have... We'll have so many more stories to tell and things to watch out for when we get closer to tournament time because we want to we want to take our time because we don't want to get to that month too soon because we love it so much. We just want it to take a nice slow process playing out the season and then March happens when everybody in the sports world starts paying attention to the sport like we've been paying attention to it all season long. It hits you and then it goes fast. I mean, you hit conference mm-hmm. yeah. you hit conference tournament time and then everything just feels like it happens in like a 5-day stretch and just goes bang bang bang. I treat conference tournament time like the like the beautiful baby that it is. Oh, I love it. I try to watch at least a little bit of almost every single conference possible. Try to hold on to that thing because I know it's coming. Like my favorite day in sports, Selection Sunday, just when you get your map. You get your roadmap of how everything's going to happen, and then you take a nice deep breath, and you just kind of slow waltz through Monday and Tuesday, get that first four in Dayton under your belt, and then Thursday morning when it happens, it's like, oh boy, how do I get out of work today? That's also another bucket list thing is going to the first four. I've never been to I've it. not been to the first four either. Shame, right? There was a year. What's wrong with us? I, I know We're here in Ohio. It was crazy, and actually, it was, it was wrong that they did this, but a couple years ago, they had Dayton in that, and they played Boise State, and I felt so bad for Boise State because they were playing a a de facto road game. Works my excuse. Always have to do something around Buckeye hoops. Right. And they're usually getting ready for a game of their own, or we're doing a Buckeye show here at night, and it's just too tough to get over there. Go over there, like, for a late game and catch, like, the second half. Tickets are usually pretty hot for that that event. My only complaint is the East Coast games that will start, like, they're in the East Coast time zone, and they'll start around 9.57. Yeah. I'm okay with that, though. Uh, I, I'm going to watch I'll it. I'll take basketball until 1 in the morning during the tournament. I will watch it, but I am not happy with that fact. <laughs> we'll have much more in just a second. It's Mad About Hoops. Mad About Hoops. Mad About Hoops podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Mad About Hoops. This is episode six, week six of the college basketball season. Timmy Hall here, evil, bald Colin, disguising that bald head with a nice Cleveland Browns beanie. Man, it's cold out Big here. Big game for you guys. You better win them all or you're dead. I have dead. no expectations. No, nor should you. <laughs> nor should you. Now, speaking about being great, unlike the Cleveland Browns, being number one, being known as number one. Oh, I knew you were going to go here. I've, I've read some articles this year about how it's uh, I even had some people you know, on social media get back at me saying, ah, number one, that's not a mantle that you want right now. I say no to that. I say bunk. I say bunk, which I don't even understand that term, why people say that. Screw it. Give me the number one ranking. I'll take it. Who, who wouldn't want to be the number one team in the country? I get it. There's been four different ones already. In six weeks of the polls, you had Michigan State, Duke, Duke, Kansas, Louisville, Louisville, I think. Maybe not in that entire order right there, but I think I got the ones that held it twice, the only two teams that held it for more than one week. Especially if you're Ohio State basketball, yes, please, I'll take that stature that comes with being ranked number one. I really think the only argument against wanting it is maybe you're superstitious, but I, I mean... How rarely do you go undefeated in college basketball? 
Very rarely. Well, I don't care if they're at number one and that, oh, now everybody's gunning for them because they're the top dog. You don't. It You're, still hasn't been done since Indiana. It hasn't been done since Indiana. Right. You're a top 25 team, let alone. You're Ohio State. You're brand name. Everybody's going to be gunning for you whenever they're playing for you. Uh, come on. I I would love to see them at number one because it shows you just how much they've earned it so far this year with the, what they've done with their track record. And... <laughs> Setting that up with, I don't know where Kentucky will be, but when it comes to that CBS Sports Classic, I mean, you're setting a stage right there. No, you you said it. The only reason you wouldn't want it is if you're superstitious. I, I, that's the only reason I could guess that. Why would a program like Michigan State, like Kansas, like Kentucky, teams that live up there, you're telling me those guys would rather not be number one, but they'd rather be close to number one, two, three, or four? What's the difference, first of all? And if you're a premier brand like that, there is a lot to say for, oh, yeah, look at the number bias, number one. You tell me that they're going to play different just because they're the team at the very, very top and all the people that are zeroing in or targeting you. I mean, once you're up in the top five, people are going to use you sure. as a reason to lace up the shorts a little bit tighter, adjust your armbands and straps, whatever you got, and to go at you a little bit harder that night. So you are you are already in that mode of protecting what you have accomplished so far. If you're not ready to keep fighting for it or keep earning it, then I guess you're not as good of a basketball why team even, as I thought. Why, yeah, why why even play if you're not striving to be the top? I don't know. You should be trying to win every single game. That that use that. That would be really fun to me, right? If you're on a team that has never been ranked number one and you finally get that, say you're in your senior year, wouldn't that be a fun kind of drive? to keep fueling you week to week. Let's see how long we can keep this guys. And it doesn't it doesn't mean the first loss you get, you're going to get punted out of the number 1 spot. We're going to take into account what the rest of college basketball has done that week, especially for a little bit deeper into this. One loss might not mean you leave the number 1 ranking. Cuz what if you're like 17 and 0 or something, everyone else in college hoops already has at least two losses. You lose your first, maybe it's a tough road matchup. That doesn't mean you fall out of it right then and there. You can rebound. Right. Yeah, I, I just, it doesn't matter to me if they're number one, and it doesn't matter to me if they're number one and people are worrying about, does that change the perspective in anything? I'm glad if they're up there because that builds a foundation. Because you know what? At the end of the year, mm -hmm. I want to be up there still. Because if so, I'm in play for like a one seed or two seed. And you're telling me you don't want to be a part of that? Of course not. Number one, baby. It's all about trying to get to be number one, or else what are we doing? Evil Bald Colin, I wanted to bring this up to you. I uh, Full credit, I gave this. I mentioned him earlier on the podcast, our afternoon show here at 97.1 The Fan, Common Man and T-Bone. They were talking about broadcasters on their show mm. earlier this week. I don't, yes, did you I, was catch, there, I was there with them yesterday. You were, you were running the show. Yes. Yeah, that's right. You were filling in. You were producing the show. I thought that was fascinating. And they the way they, sort of the way they did it is, who is the one voice that sort of resonates to you that engulfs an entire sport? And they just went sport by sport. And depending on what your age is, where you are in life, mm -hmm. you know, that's a different answer. But I thought that was fascinating. Like NFL, you would think, and it doesn't have to be a play-by-play -play voice, play-by-play -play voice, color commentator, just a broadcaster. John Madden, Pat Summerall, Al Michaels, for some of us guys, was the dude for the NFL. Golf, I thought of. I don't think you guys did golf, but golf was one that I really thought of, and I could I could think of Jim Nance because he's just been on the coverage for so long, and he's done the Masters. And even though 
I love all the tournaments, and NBC has a big presence, and Johnny Miller was the other one that I would think of, but Jim Nance sort of just ahead. Ken Venturi, I, I remember a little bit of him, but Nick Faldo took over for him for, I think, 12 years he's been doing it now. But I get that. I bring that to college basketball, and I'm curious to know who you would pick. Like, who is your voice for college basketball as a broadcaster? So this is going to all be based on when you were born or how old you are. Or when when sure, could was be. the peak of your watching experience and I, I think everybody's going to point to their first experience or early experiences with the NCAA tournament because that seems to be where everybody else gets their iconic moments with color commentators or play-by-play guys but I'm going with Gus Johnson now he was the main guy in CBS basketball and you know during the tournament back when I was getting started with the sport well but it's just a yeah. weird dynamic because you ask somebody maybe a little bit younger than me they really only know him as a football analyst or football play-by-play guy but Gus is still doing basketball. If you're a big college basketball fan and you like watching some of those Big East games, yes, he's I still about very that. he's still very that. prevalent in the mm-hmm. game. It's just it's sad, and and I've seen broadcasters that do work for other networks, so I know it doesn't have to just be a you're in the CBS family or bust because there have been examples of where guys have switched networks and worked for two different families in sports casting. But my goodness. Gus Johnson, he's in our show open more than a couple of times. Ha <laughs> ha! College basketball, CBS Sports. This is March Madness. I think it was one of the. Uh, I think it was Jacob Pullen, Kansas State. I think one of those finishes where Gus was on the call. That's just brilliance. You can just ah, dial what a up name call up, right? Yeah. yeah, Jacob Pullen. You could just dial up YouTube, and the one that's in our open is the Xavier Ohio State. And seriously. That is Gus Johnson at his finest in that Ohio State Xavier game in the tourney where it's Thad versus Sean Miller, you know, two guys Mm -hmm. that knew each other real well, Sean Miller being on Thad's staff, you know, Ohio versus Ohio, just amazing everything. And Gus Johnson's head exploding when Ron Lewis hits his shot. But yeah, it started there for me. Then it grew in. You you follow... It's funny, you attach these voices to some of these runs in a tournament, and one of them I can vividly remember is watching all the games where Jimmer Fredette's just throwing up just crazy shots, and you're hearing that voice along with it each game it goes on through the tournament. It's it's kind of like you think of the highlights in your head, you're seeing Jimmer Fredette shoot a three from almost half court, but you're hearing Gus, Gus Johnson just perfectly display the excitement that was behind the plays and just the ridiculousness of what he was doing. He he's probably my favorite now. He's probably my favorite sportscaster because of his excitement yes. right now. But I'd have to say Jim Nance is still that guy overall just because he's been the one constant voice through a lot of the tournament games, early round, regional finals that I've watched, but he's been the voice of the final four I, since I have been alive basically. I mean, yeah. Billy Packer, Clark Kellogg a little bit, and now they're doing that. It's hard for me to even know. Like, Bill Raftery, he's won too. Bill, I think it's Bill and Grant Hill now, right? It's not as easy to recall when it was just Jim Nance and Billy Packer forever. Yeah, they've kind of intertwined. I think I it's Raftery and, and Grant Hill. And Bill, Raff is in our in our show open as well with the send it in, yes. Jerome. A little kiss. and not, I love him. He is a He's a close second. Along with Gus Johnson. I don't know if he's been doing it much lately, but Reggie Miller I haven't been a fan of in terms of he's okay. the coverage he's done. He's okay. Reggie's just all right. Yeah. Last thing. I had a uh, 
I had a little hey, have you noticed before we hit everybody with evil bald Collins, famous mid-major flavor of the week. My uh, hey, have you noticed for this week? And it's actually surprising to me, even though this is such a big deal for the player, it's not that big of a deal. I take you out to the Kansas Jayhawks again. Already talked about the Jayhawks in this podcast. But our guy, Buki, Udoka as a Buki, right? This guy is a house of a man. Do you know where I'm about to go with this? What I'm about to highlight with him? Well, there's many different. You could highlight the free free throw shooting, which I think it's a little bit too much coverage. But no, I'm I don't, not I don't know. His, I'm not going to his free throw shooting. I gotta look up what his free throw percentage is this year. <laughs> it's got. It can't be any worse. I'm not even. I'll I'll give it to you after the good. I'll give you the bad second, but the good first. Okay. His field goal percentage. His field goal percentage. Oh, he's this up year, around like 80, isn't he? It's yeah. He's above 80. Oh my he's above 80. From the field. And look, I don't care how big of a guy you are, how much you dominate the post. You have to say, yeah, but still, you know, like there's been a lot of guys like that in the history of college basketball that could absolutely mow you down and dominate the post. I mean, he had, he played against OB Toppin this year. Mm-hmm. The next guy is 76%. We had 31 points in that game, I thought. Something like that. He was great. Yeah, he was awesome. You do- and that's the thing. Udoka is not just some dude that takes like three or four shots and then he's done for the day. He's 82% leader in the country by, I said, the next guy is 76%. And he has only he hasn't had any games where he's missed more than three shots. He's at a 10 for 13, 7 for 8, 5 for 6, 12 for 15 against Dayton with 29 points, like you said. 6 for 7 against Colorado, 7 for 7, 15 points, 17 boards against Milwaukee just the other night. That's just freakish, man. Freakish. That's incredible. Wasn't Kyle Young kind of like that last year? I was thinking of him. Yeah. I like, think he was in like the 76. Small volume, right? Yes. He would, he would be the guy that would catch like three or four alley-oop dunks, and that would be it. You're not really testing the limits, things like that. But the free throw percentage, it's as bad as ever. He's 37%. Uh, uh, just, I don't. It's it's what it's expected, though. How, do you be, how, how are you a basketball player with 37% from the know. line? But I actually want to add my own, did you know, or have you noticed lately? Please do. It's uh, with the latest victory from Illinois over Michigan State, or over Michigan, so that was as a Wednesday night, the end of Wednesday night of this week. Hey. I told people, the, too, around the office, yeah. look out for that game. The Big look Ten out. and ho- the home teams in Big Ten games as of that ending of the game are 10-0. and 0. Well. That's interesting. It's tough to go on the road and win. What does that tell that you? That is the prime that definition. Also, that yes. could also just tell you how good of a conference this is. It's seriously oh, good. You cannot go on the road and win. Indiana went on the road and lost by 20 at Wisconsin. <laughs> Who just, And they just beat UConn on a neutral court. I don't know, man. UConn went and then, or Wisconsin then went and lost to Rutgers. Who I'm not dogging always or Rutgers, but I mean, I'm telling you though, the Big Ten is deep. They're deep, and you were thinking like you can't figure out five through twelve. I think that first group's a little bit deeper because now Illinois yeah, might have something go, to like, say. You could probably go seven to twelve. I think Penn like State definitely is in that that early group. Like they're not. I don't see Penn State finishing below seventh right there. But uh, they might get the sixth spot. We'll see how it goes. Indiana, Illinois, right there. The Illini man with the, is it, uh, how do you say his name? Georgie? Georgie? 
Bejan Shvali. Yeah. Bejan Shvali. That's a good one to say. Robbie Hummel says it really well when he does the games. Cockburn, Dasunmu. They are a good team. You see Cockburn good knocked team. the referee in I, the head? Was it ugly? Well, he got an and one, but he went to turn like the and one. With like the elbow or just thing? with the fist? Fist, like straight in the head of the referee. Did not see him. It was pretty ugly. Did he knock him down? He kind of got a little woozy and kind of got, didn't go to his knees, but he was close. All right. Last thing, Evil Bald Column, why don't you give the folks your mid-major flavor? What are you looking at with so, the uh, mid-major ranks? I tend to like to head out west because there's a lot of really good mid-major teams out west. But how about we go to San Diego State in the Mountain West? They're one of the last remaining undefeated teams as of this recording. They're 10-0. The Aztecs, baby. Brian Old Dutcher. Steve Fisher. Brian Dutcher is the head coach of this team. He just got the job in 2017. Yeah, He's I been know. On no the staff. Steve Fisher anymore, the Michigan man. Right. He's He's been there since 98, I believe, after coming over from Michigan, ironically enough. Um, this is a team that has four guys that are averaging double digits. Malachi Flynn is a name to watch. He's the leading scorer for the team, averaging 16.1 points per game. He's a nice little guard for them. The Mountain West is very sneaky this year. Like I said, you have San Diego State. You also have New Mexico with Jaquan Lyle. Pretty dang good team down there. That's right. Steve, You have Steve Alford with Nevada. And then you have Sam Merrill leading Utah State. That's a pretty good solid top four of that conference right there. That is good. And you know what? The, uh, the shoe... At the All American Inn, I almost outside of, stopped. Outside I saw of Newcastle, yeah. Indiana, they did update to Nevada Wolfpack colors. That's awesome. They stay on top of that. They are not embarrassed, I guess, that it goes from UCLA colors to Nevada Wolfpack colors. They do it up, and they're still proud. I mean, it's a mo- it's a roadside motel. That's a shrine to Steve Alford. Well, you you're repping him. You might as well keep up the date. I think that high school gym there in Newcastle, Indiana, seats like eleven thousand. Or something. Really? Check check into that at some point in time. The high yeah. school basketball gyms throughout the state of Indiana, some of the largest in the country. Like I could believe that. It's believable, right? All right. Evil Bald Colin. I'm Timmy Hall. Mad About Hoops podcast here. Please subscribe. Find us wherever you're listening to us right now. Keep listening on that same podcast platform. If you got friends that use other ones, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Wherever podcasts are available, find us, search us, Mad About Hoops, and like us, give us a review, and we'll have plenty more College Hoops coverage all season long. It's only six weeks in. I can't wait for more. Have a good week, everybody. Mad About Hoops.